Would you take your Bible this evening to the book of Jonah for just a moment? We're going to finish out uh, here in, in this great book. You know it. You know Jonah. And you know the story. Some have called him the, uh, the, the misdirected missionary, the wayward prophet. God has given him a very clear direction. He has rejected that in chapter 1. And we're going to look over chapter 1 here this evening together. So if you'll take your Bible and uh, look with me here, Jonah chapter 1, and and notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. We're going to read through this chapter. We'll come back and and we'll just kind of go through this verse by verse. But notice what it says, Jonah 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I heard an outline once of the the book of the uh, the first chapter of Jonah, and uh, the outline went something like this. God said, go. Jonah said, no. So God said, Oh, (laughs) and you find that there in verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and notice verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest into the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And he said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. They said, uh, then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What, what is thy country and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I'm in Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea in the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said, Unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the example. 
Father, I'm thankful that tonight there could be somebody here that has been running. But Father, I pray that tonight they would turn. Pray, Lord, they'd repent of their sin. I pray, Father, that they would understand here tonight that you love them so much that you will not let them get away with their sin. They'll not be happy in their sin. The storm of life will constantly be blowing. That the waves will will consistently be coming. The the water's going to be coming into the ship of their life if they're not willing to simply say, yes, Lord. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us to be surrendered and committed to do whatever it is you want us to do. Bless these next few moments that we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love the book of Jonah. We've got these amazing verses. And I want you to notice this. We're just going to walk right through it here tonight. Would you notice Jonah chapter 1? Notice what it says in verse number 1. The Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Hey, don't you sometimes wish to yourself, don't you sometimes say, Lord, I wish that you would just speak to me as clearly as you spoke to Jonah. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, you ever think about Moses, you know, and, and you read the story and Moses, he sees, he's on the backside of the desert. He sees this burning bush and, and he notices it's not being consumed. So he, he kind of saunters over there. He hears the voice of God. God begins to communicate to Moses. And sometimes we say, wow, if God would just simply do that for me, I'd listen. If God would, would simply speak to me in that way, if I knew what he wanted me to do, if I knew where he wanted me to go, I would absolutely surrender. And I want you to know a couple things here this evening. First of all, the Bible says that Jonah knew God's plan. He knew God's word. He knew God's will. And yet he said no. But I want you to see this for just a moment. I want you to understand that the The word of God that you have sitting in your hand here this evening is God's voice to you. It is so easy to say, well, God, if you spoke to me like that, if you gave me, if I had the the audible voice. Listen, as a man, I am so thankful that God did not sit me down one day and just audibly tell me everything I needed to know. I don't remember the orange juice when I go to the grocery store. I can't remember the bread. I I don't remember half the things I'm supposed to remember. And, And I sometimes think, well, God, if you'd have sat me down and told me, I'd love to hear the voice. I'm thankful that God wrote it down. You know what we ought to be doing today? That The problem with us is not that we don't know God's will. The problem is we don't read it. It isn't that we don't have it. It's that we don't read it. We don't obey it. Every day of your life, you have this amazing opportunity to be able to open the word of God and to be able to hear the voice of God. I love, you've heard it. I, I love what, they, what they've been saying here as of late. I've heard it a few times. Somebody said uh, that if you want to hear God's voice, read his word. And if you want to hear it audibly, read it out loud. Here we find Jonah the, gets the word. And then in verse number two, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But verse number three, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, Jonah doesn't want to go. He, he knows these people are not his people. 
These people have rejected my people, hurt my people. These are our enemies. I'm not going to where God wants me to go. And so the Bible says that he rises up, he flees away, he goes to, uh, he goes to the shipyard, he goes to Tarshish, he's going to go from the presence of the Lord. But hold on a minute, Jonah, you're the prophet of God. You know better than this. You can't get out of the presence of God. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. It's interesting, when I think about that verse, I, I typically think about the evil part. You remember mom and dad? My mom had eyes in the back of her head. When my dad would, would come down the stairs, sometimes dad would come down and, and we would be uh, maybe talking with friends, maybe we were watching something on television, and sometimes we would do something that we were not supposed to do, and maybe we were watching something we were not supposed to watch. And how many of you understand this? If I was watching something that I was not supposed to watch, the moment my dad came around the corner was the moment that whatever I was not supposed to watch was revealing why I wasn't supposed to watch it. You ever gone through that experience? You know, it's like mom and dad, I mean, they see everything. They know everything. They, they, I, I remember when our kids were small, sometimes uh, they're, they're not so bright when they're about three, four, five years old sometimes, right? And I remember sometimes I would, um, I would see them and they would, they would wonder, how did you figure this out? I'm like, I'm, I'm listening, I'm in the, and I'm in the room next to you, you're talking out loud. I remember one time I was, I was probably, um, wow, boy, I was a teenager. I think I was like 14. I wasn't that smart at 14. And uh, my dad had, we had some woods, uh, not woods, uh, kind of a ranch behind our house. And, and we had a two-story house. And, and I went into my dad's closet and I got, he had a 22 rifle in there. It was really cool because it had a, had a little red dot scope. And that was like, I mean, when I was 13, 14, uh, this is, you just didn't see. I mean, they're pretty common now. We, we see those things now. When, now. I had never seen it anyway. If they were common, I don't know. I had never seen it. My dad got this new 22. I went and it was a black one. It had a little scope on it, you know. And I went in the back and we had all this land behind us with cows and horses and, and ranchers. And, and I went up into that back window and I opened up the window and uh, fired off a couple of shots carefully took that 22 back in wiped it down put it right back in the closet just like I had found it I remember that my dad got home and he burst into my room and he was not happy I knew immediately I am in so much trouble dad found out and I asked him after I was disciplined I, I remember asking him later on dad how'd you know and he, he wouldn't tell me how he knew and then later on, my, I had little boys, you know, and I, we'd laugh about the story. Hey, Dad, how'd you know? And he wouldn't tell me how we knew. And finally, about a year, two years ago, we sat and I said, Dad, how'd you know that, that I shot that gun? I mean, how did you even, where, you weren't even home. How'd you know? I left two shells ejected out of that right on the ground right there in the, <laughs> right there in the laundry room. They're sitting right on the ground. He came home, saw him, and went, somebody's been shooting my gun. Hey, let me tell you something. I want you to know, as much as you as a parent know what's going on with your children's lives, can I tell you this? Your God knows everything. But can I tell you this? I look at the negative. I always think, oh, the evil, the eyes of the Lord, every place he beholds the evil. But do you realize the Bible tells us that he also beholds the good? 
It's not many verses later that Jonah's going to cry out for God's mercy in the belly of this great fish. And God's going to hear him. It's the kind of God you've got. Well, your dad sometimes catches you and you get in trouble. But isn't your dad also so often the one that when you are in trouble, the first person you think of is, I need to call my dad. The Bible says you can call upon your father in heaven. And we have this example that God hears and answers prayer. And here Jonah, he's running. He's a prophet. But he's still running. He's going to do his own thing. And watch what God does in his life. Verse number three, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. I kind of picture it like this. I, I don't think it happened like this, but you ever been to a, a bus station? I, I've been to one once years ago. I walked in. There were these little... Um, LED lights, I guess, or these little digital boards that, that tell you where that, you, you go under the counter, you pay for that location, you go out and you, you get on the bus and you go. And I just kind of picture Jonah walks in and uh, he, sees, he sees Nineveh over here and he determines that, that that's not where he's going to go. He's, he's going to go to Tarshish instead. He knows the clear command of God, but he makes a decision and he decides that he's going to disobey his God. And I want you to see this in this verse. The Bible says he goes down in verse number three to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird little statement. I was reading this several years ago and I came across that statement and said, Lord, if, if you wouldn't have added all of these statements that really don't make any difference, my one year Bible reading program would be a lot easier. How, how come there's, there's so many little, I mean, Lord, th this is a statement that really doesn't matter. We, we get this idea that he, he reaches into his pocket, he gets his leather scrip out, he gets his wallet out, and he, he pulls some money out and he begins to, to pay. We don't know anything else about Jonah's day. He woke up somewhere, doesn't tell us. He may have eaten breakfast somewhere, doesn't, doesn't give us that detail, doesn't tell us who he talked to, doesn't know, tell us where he went. It really doesn't tell us anything about his day, except for this one little obscure detail. He takes out his wallet, he pays the fare thereof. Lord, why on earth are you pointing out that he pays the fare? Here's why I think he points it out. Hey, Jonah, all this time, Prophet of God, servant of mine, I've got you. I'll take care of you. I will meet your needs. I will take care of your meals. I will make sure that you have a place to sleep at night. I'll make sure that the people that you come in contact with will be able to give you the things that you need to continue your ministry. But Jonah, listen to me for just a minute. Jonah, the moment that you reject what I've commanded you to do, you're on your own. So he paid the fare thereof. There's some, have you ever heard these stories about people, evangelists, missionaries, pastors? They tell these stories about these amazing things like, wow, I went to my mailbox in college and I had all this that God provided and I had this money that was in there and I don't know where it came. I was sitting in Pensacola, Florida uh, in 2007. 
getting ready to start the church out in Colorado. We, hadn't, we were getting ready to go out there, and, 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 and God had been miraculously taking care of our needs, and, and just everything was, and, and we had resigned from the position that we were at with the church we were so we could get prepared to go out, and it was just several months to be able to raise support, and we had gone several months, and God met our needs, and we hadn't had to go into debt. We didn't have to put anything on a credit card, and our van broke down. And I remember going to the repair shop, and they told us it was going to be 900 and some odd dollars. Well, we're, honestly, we were pretty tapped out. We, we'd, 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 I remember sitting in the chair, kind of going to myself, and in my mind I thought, well, Lord, it's been a pretty good run. You, you, you've taken us all the way to now. We haven't had to put anything on a credit card. Today will be the first day we've got to put something on a credit card. And uh, Lord, I'm thankful. Thanks for taking care of us. Uh, it was a good run, but, but 900 some odd dollars, I'm going to have to take care of that now, put on the credit card, and, and then we'll have to move forward from here. And I remember that in that moment, I got a phone call, and it was a man on the other end of the phone. He said, hey, uh, where are you? I said, well, I'm not at home right now. He said, I know. I'm sitting on your front porch. Nobody's answering the door. I said, I'm actually sitting over here at Automotive Alternatives. And, uh, and so he said, well, let, let me come over and meet you over there. He comes over and he says to me, somebody gave me this envelope and they wanted me to give it to you. Over $900 in that envelope. I don't know who it was. I don't know where it came from. But, but I do believe this. When you commit your life to the Lord, when you put your, hand, your, your life in the hands of God, I do believe that God has a way of making a way for you, of providing for you, of taking care of you, of seeing you through. And I think right here, Jonah's going, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually having to start paying for some things on my own here. He pays the fare thereof. Watch what it says in verse number four. The Lord sent out a great wind into the seas. There was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. And the mariners were afraid and they cried every man unto his God. Hey, let me tell you something. This is a major storm. Sailors, they've seen just about everything. This is a major storm because they are crying out to... Sailors don't just cry out to God. Sailors don't let anybody see the emotion or the fear. And the Bible says that they have it. They're struggling with it. They cry out, every man who was God. And watch what they do here. That the Bible says that they're going to do, uh, that they're going to do something here. It says in the middle of verse five, they cast forth the wares that were in the ship to lighten it of them. What does that, what does that mean? They're, they're, they're in a great storm. The waves are coming up. The waves are probably coming over the sides of the ship. And so they want to make sure that the ship is buoyant. They want to be light as possible. So they stay on top of, of all of those waves and all that water. And so what do they do? They start going to the sides of the ship and they're going to get rid of things so that they can stay on top of the water. Now here's what they do. Wares is simply cargo. Cast forth the wares. They cast forth the cargo. So they go into the sides of the ship and they start grabbing up things. I'm presuming that they think they can afford to lose. Isn't that what you would do? You go into the side of the ship and, and there's some barrels down there and you, you start grabbing some things out. All right, let me look through some things. Here's a big old barrel of broccoli. Nobody needs that. 
we'll survive. We can survive without. And so they grab this barrel and they take it over and whoa, you know, they throw that over the side and maybe they go back down and uh, they look at over here and they say, oh, here's Tom's footlocker. We don't have to have that. They take that over to the side and they, they get ready and they throw that over the side. And, and maybe they come back and say, well, listen, here's a big old barrel of gold. We don't want to get rid of that yet. That's the most desperate thing. We don't want to, that'll be like the last ditch effort. So, so we'll get rid of some, some other things, things we think we can afford to lose. And they do this to lighten it of them. And I just want to think about this for just a moment because I think we get here so often. God brings a storm. We're running, we're, we're doing our thing, we're living our lives, and God brings a storm into our lives, and what is the first thing we do? Oh, Lord, I, I don't want, this is a big storm, I'm a little nervous, Lord. Okay, 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 uh, 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 okay, Lord, I know, I know, I know. And we get into the side of the ship, and we start throwing things that we think we can afford to lose. Okay, okay, I will give you my church attendance, Lord. That's what I'll do. I'll give you, okay, Lord, I haven't been very faithful to that, and so, so I will give you that. We throw it over, and the storm's still coming. Oh, Lord, um, this morning we talked about that bitterness thing and, and I know I've been struggling with that and I've been holding on. Okay, Lord, I get it. I hear you. And so we grab a hold of that bitterness and we say, okay, God, you can have the bitterness. And we, throw the, we throw that over the side and, and the storm's so common. And we start throwing these little trinkets over to God, these, these little parts of us that we, we think we can afford to lose. And do you know this? The, the, the storm never stopped until a life was offered. I mean, the, the, the ship is just battered until finally what God was looking for, not the trinkets, not the tokens, not the little side issues, not the little parts of you, not the little things that you just think you can get rid of and appease your God. It was until the entire life was thrown over. Some of us in here right now, we're, we're kind of wondering, God, why have I been living in a storm? Why does it seem like it just, every time I turn around, it's this or it's that or it's whatever. And some of us, I think, need to get back to a place that we simply say, God, is it me? Is it I? Do you just want me to, to hurl my, have I not given you what you want? Sometimes there are problems and it's just God making us into what he wants to be, preparing us for something in the future. And sometimes there's problems that we bring on ourselves. Because we're not walking for God. And your God loves you so much. He's just not willing to let you get away with it. Jesus says, I came to give you life. I came to give you life, not a little bit, not just a taste of it. I came to give you life more abundantly. How many of you have been to Baskin Robbins? You guys know Baskin Robbins around here? Is there any Baskin Robbins around this place? All right, Brahms. Anyone ever been to Brahms? Do they have little taster spoons at Brahms? Oh, man, that's a cheap imitation of Baskin-Robbins. Not the same. You all know what I'm talking about, those little, te- little, little plastic spoons at Baskin-Robbins? You know what a lot of Christians do? We, we walk in there. So I used to work at Baskin-Robbins years ago, and, uh, and people would come in, and, and they'd ask for a taste of this and a taste of that, and a little taste over here. And uh, so we'd do it very patiently. And, and now when I go to Baskin-Robbins, I, I want a little taste of this and a taste of that and a taste over here. And you know what some people sometimes do? 
They're content with a taste. I've, I've literally had people walk into Baskin Robbins and get a few tasters and, and not announce it. They kind of slide out the door, you know, and, and uh, you know, they, they're on their way, you know. They're just content with a little bit. Hey, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ wants to give you everything. He, he doesn't want to give you an old bucket of ice cream that's even in there. He wants to give you everything. You're asking for too little. It's not that you're looking for too much. Jesus says, you're asking for too little. I can give you life and give it more abundantly. But you will never experience that as long as you're, as you're holding everything back. Man, they're going to throw this stuff over and they start doing that. Watch what happens. This is so sad. This is, to me, I think this is the saddest verse in, I don't know, maybe the entire, one of the saddest in the entire Bible. Watch what happens. The shipmaster comes to him. He's asleep, verse number five. Verse number six, the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. They said, everyone who is fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. They cast lots, the lot falls upon Jonah. So they look at Jonah, and right here in verse number eight, they ask him a question. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. And here's the question. What is thine occupation? You say, uh, Pastor Tate, that doesn't sound that sad. What's the big deal about that question? Wait a minute, hold on a minute. Jonah, you're telling me that you're the prophet of God? You're the proclaimer of righteousness? You're the one that's to, to point people to the Almighty? Your entire life is wrapped up in preaching about your God and not one person has heard about it. They don't even know who you are. You've, you've walked onto this ship. You've rubbed some elbows. You've, you've talked a little bit. You've gone down. You've laid down. You are an ineffective witness, Jonah. You are a poor prophet. Wouldn't you agree with that? He's a prophet of God and nobody knows who he is. Hey, who are you? What do you do for a living? Hey, don't you think that's a pretty lousy prophet? Now, before we're too hard on Jonah, this morning as we're sitting in church, a guest walks through the door. It, actually, it's somebody that you know. It's, it's your mechanic. It's, it's your hairdresser. It's your neighbor. It's someone that you've lived by for years. And they see you. I wonder how they respond. Do, do they respond like this? Oh, this is the place you've been telling me about. Hey, this is the, oh, I didn't even realize this was the church that you've been talking about, that you've been inviting me to. Uh, oh, that's where I got the card. I forgot. That's right. You're the one that gave me the invitation. Or do they walk in and say, hey, you're visiting here today too? Whoa. This is crazy coincidence. Are you kidding me right now? We both neighbors. We don't live that far apart. We both are checking out the same church in the same day. Wow. This is blowing my mind. Before we're too hard on Jonah now, how are we? 
Hey, what's your occupation? Well, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a diesel mechanic. No, 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 no. What's your occupation? Well, I, I'm over here and I, I work with the high school. And I, no, 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 no. What, what are you really about? Because the Bible says that you're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. That the Bible says that you are a proclaimer of Jesus. All of us, every person ought to be telling everyone we know about who Jesus Christ is. And if we're not doing it, we're no better than where Jonah's at right here. What is an occupation? Can I ask you something tonight? Do your neighbors know who Jesus is because of your testimony? Have you at least invited your mechanic to, to church or your waiter, your wait. Hey, let me, one of the greatest things you could do when you go and you sit down and eat. By the way, I have heard, I've never served. I don't know if this is true. I've never been in the service industry. I hear that the worst tipping crowd is the after church crowd. That's that. I, I can't verify that's anecdotal. I hear people talk about that. It would be so sad if that were true. Hey, listen, I think I speak on, past, uh, on behalf of Pastor Tyler. If you're going to be a chintzy tipper, don't leave a tractor Fellowship Baptist Church that day. You know what you ought to do? Server comes out. Hey, Brianna, how you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hey, hey, uh, what's your name? Oh, Anthony. Oh, hey, hey, Anthony. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be praying for our meal in just a minute. Is there anything we could pray with you about? We, we do that all the time. I will tell you that, that almost every person we ask, whether they know Christ, whether they don't know Christ, they almost always come up with something because people have problems. And they might not even be religious, but someone's saying, okay, I'm willing to pray for whatever situation. And so oftentimes they will give you that. Can I tell you, it's just simple things like that. It's just simple things being concerned about people outside these walls, being concerned about the soul, the eternity of people that you know in your neighborhood. It's just simple things that, that make a difference. They say, Jonah, what's your occupation? He says to them in verse number nine, I'm in Hebrew. I kind of picture him when he says it. I think he kind of hangs his head a little bit. Well, <laughs> watch what he says. I'm in Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which had made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid. They said unto him, now listen, this is so interesting. They say unto him, why hast thou done this? Here's a rebuke. You're telling me wicked sailors are rebuking the man of God. You know what you'll find in the world? The world, sometimes Christians, we're so timid about what we believe. Do you know what the world respects? The world respects somebody that does what they say they believe. We get so intimidated about telling someone that we've got some kind of principled life or, or we have some kind of a belief in God. We get so intimidated that, that oh, I don't want anyone to know this. They're going to make fun of me. Listen, when they know that you're a believer, you know what they expect? They expect you to act like a believer. And so the world starts criticizing. They ask him in verse 11, then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm and He says in verse number 12, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. 
Verse 13, they tried to row, they couldn't do it. Verse 14, they cried to the Lord, they, they asked God for his mercy, don't, don't put this on us. Verse 15, they took up Jonah, it cast him forth into the sea, the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. All right, we're going to be done with this. Jonah says, if you'll throw me over, God will calm the waters. He's looking for me. He wants my life, and I'm the reason. So, so they fight against it, and, and finally they say, you know what, we're not all going to die for this guy, and, and so we've got to do it. And so they say, Lord, have mercy on us, and they, and they take Jonah, and they give him the old one, and, and they give him the old two, and they, and they give him the three, and, and they throw him over the side. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Oh, there goes another prophet. Oh, bummer. Well, Lord, you didn't think this one through. I mean, what are you going to do now? now? Now you lost another prophet. You lost another preacher of righteousness. I mean, come on. What in the world? But the Bible says that the Lord prepared a great fish. You know what that means? Um, at some point, that great fish was a little minnow. Just a little thing, right? He's just swimming around, just little, in, in little schools, little groups, whatever. Do you know a lot of those little fish, they don't make it. A lot of them don't make it. Disease, predatory fish, bigger fish coming along, barracuda, whatever. There's a lot of those little things. They just don't make it. The, the, the seas are not a safe place for, for little fish. And, and I don't know, maybe one day a barracuda was coming by, uh, but, but it wasn't going to get that fish. You don't want to know why? Because God was preparing that fish. And I don't know, one day uh, that fish grows up, you know, and it's kind of like some of your fish stories. <laughs> Doing one of these, you know, big, big, big fish. And you're on the side of the, maybe there's some fishermen out there, you know, and they're casting their nets or they've got their pole and, and they see this fish jump out of the water and they go, oh man, there it is. Throw your net over there. Cast your pole over there. Let me tell you something. You ain't catching that fish. You want to know why? Because God was preparing that fish. I don't know, one day it's this big. I mean, it, it grows up. And, and now it's what you would call a great fish. And, and I don't know, maybe a, a ship came by, you know, and uh, maybe one of those whaling ships and they've got the, the huge harpoon. And I don't know, maybe one of the sailors there, he sees it swimming by and he yells out, there she blows. Boom. <laughs> Just like that. Let me tell you something. They ain't hitting that fish. You, you want to know why? Because God was preparing that fish. And, and one day this fish is swimming over here in these waters and, and God kind of turns it around and now it's swimming over in these waters. And all of a sudden, the biggest worm it has ever seen <laughs> right in front of him into the water. Let me ask you something. If God can protect and guide and direct 
fish. If God can keep a fish safe to fulfill his purpose. If, if God can make sure that a fish is taken care of in the right place at the right time. What do you think God would do for you? His child, his son, his daughter, the one he gave his son for. That there's so many of us right now going, no, no, I would never be able to throw my life overboard. I'm going to stop just short of committing because I'm really afraid of what will happen. I'm really nervous about totally. I don't know where the income is going to come from. I don't know how people are going to respond to me. I'm not sure how we're going to make it. I don't know what family are going to do or what they're going to say. And I'm here to say today, my soul, the one thing you can trust in all of this world is your loving heavenly father. Who took care of a fish so that the fish could take care of its purpose. When I was a freshman in Bible college, I had all those years, high school, my, my dad pastored a church. I was so afraid that God was going to call me into ministry. Matter of fact, I believe God was calling me into ministry through my high school years many times, and I would run from, and I remember this. I remember there were days that I didn't want to be a pastor because I remember there were days. I remember watch, watching my, my dad walk down the hallway, and he had some of his belongings in his arms, and he was going to go to the pawn shop and sell them. Had a rifle in his hands once. I remember football practice was over one day, and I'm walking back to the parking lot with my buddies and some of their moms and my mom are all gathered up and they're doing something what's going on and and their moms had brought my mom groceries I probably should have been more thankful for it I I think I felt a little embarrassed by it hey why do we got to be why, 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 why has it got to be us you know why couldn't we be the the I remember opening the front door sometimes there'd be groceries out on the front and so, so, so for years, I, I thought, you know what, I just don't know. I think my fears about going into ministry was, I'm not sure that God will take care of us. And then the other fear was, I, I can't get up in front of people and talk. It's like the last thing in the world that I, I, I didn't want to get up and speak. And that was embarrassing to me. And, and so all of these pressures. And one day, and, and one morning, I'm reading my Bible. It opens up. I'm, I'm going in my devotion, Psalm 56.3. And the Bible says, what time I'm afraid trust in thee. And it was like the Holy Spirit of God just said, hey, hey, I got you. I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. It's going to be okay. Trust me. My friends, I'm telling you, it has been the greatest moment, the greatest decision outside of my salvation that I've ever made. And can I tell you this? God has met every need. He's met every need and more. Three weeks ago, I was preaching for 10 days in Hawaii. I had my round trip airfare taken care of. I got to hang out at the beach a little bit. I got to uh, wear my board shorts out there. I thought they were my swimming trunks, but they corrected me and told me they're board shorts while I was there. And uh, so I learned all about that. And do you know, they paid me to do it. 
Some of you right now, I think, are a little bit afraid of totally committing. I, listen, it doesn't mean you've got to be a preacher if that's not what God's calling you to do. But it does mean that, God, whatever you want me to do, I will say yes. I will say yes. I will trust you. I will fully commit to your plan for my life. Hey, can I ask you something tonight? This is, this is really the invitation. This is just, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even calling out for, for preachers. I'm not calling out for Christian school teachers. I'm not calling out for missionaries. Here's what I'm calling out for tonight. Would you be willing tonight to simply say, God, whatever you're leading me to do, I will say yes. Whatever you lead me to do, I will say yes to you. Whatever you call me to do, I will say yes. And listen, it's not typically the major decisions. It's those little things that happen every day. You wake up in the morning and God says, the Holy Spirit says, get in the word. Yes, Lord. Hey, spend some time in prayer. Yes, Lord. Go tell your neighbor about Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hey, it's Sunday. Get to church. Yes, Lord. And I believe that's how God directs. It's one step at a time. Hey, I'm going to get in the word. Yes, Lord. I'm going to pray. Yes, Lord. I'm going to witness. Yes, Lord. I'm going to do it. I'm just simply going to be committed to whatever you call me to do. Hey, there's no better life than a life that is fully committed to a loving father. Every head is bad and every eye closed.